Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns insider Kellen Olsen joins Burns and Gambo to talk Phoenix Suns basketball. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Kellen Olsen, Arizona Sports. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the Valley. Uh, oh, yeah. Can you say it again? I'm Kellen. Welcome to the Valley. Nice to meet you. Courtside with Kellen. Brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Our weekly visit with our son's guru from ArizonaSports.com and across all platforms, spreading his wings into video now with, what are we calling that series, Show and Kel? I like that. Shout out Luke Forstner in the newsroom, who you know. Me and Jeremy were just discussing it. Came, came up with the namesake yeah. for that, Show and Kel. Yeah. I like that. Not, I'm not that smart. You in front of a, a green screen doing the doing the weatherman routine. Oh, I like it. You trying know, my best. Things out. Yeah, it's good yeah, stuff. Thank good you. Stuff. Kellen joining us in studio to talk about son's basketball. Much needed win last night that was grindier than I expected going into that game. And Orlando tends to make things kind of grindy. That one was not easy for them last night at all, was it? No, it wasn't. And what I let off with on ArizonaSports.com was just sometimes when you get in a, a losing streak, a bit of a skid, a funk, whatever you want to call it, three games, five games, seven games, like getting that one win sometimes is like pulling teeth to a certain extent. That's what it felt like because they should have avoided that whole situation, right? Because they were up, what was it, eight, nine points? with eight, nine minutes to go. Like, they shouldn't have really found themselves in that situation. 5-0 run to start that tied at 1-1. So like, okay, they're going to start to pull away here now. They didn't pull away. Chris Paul hits the two jumpers. They don't pull away there either, and it comes down to the last play. But you hope that that kind of win especially gets them going a bit because I just thought it was a offensively at least, and actually defensively, it was a good balanced contribution level from just about everyone on the team. Like, you didn't really get that high-end performance from anyone, which is why I thought it was so close for the most part. But, I mean, eight, nine guys, pretty much everyone did a little bit of something in that game. And a coach, you really stood out. And it, not just a block shot. And, it, you know, if you just look at that one play, like, oh, what a great play. But And when he got when he checked back into the game after that 9 nothing run by Orlando, he made about five or six big plays. He had to tap back to Booker after Paul missed the three. He hit a corner three. He drew an offensive foul on Carter Jr. He rebounded a miss by Booker. He deflected that pass from Bonchero. And then when he, he came out of the game for, for rebounding purposes for Lando, when he came back in and he blocked the shot, it's not just a blocked shot. There were basically five or six plays in the final five minutes where he affected the game. I really liked the way that he kept attacking off the bounce because he shot two of ten from three. They were playing off of him, but the thing about them playing off of him is it doesn't necessarily deny the drive because oftentimes the worst defender is getting hidden on him, right? Like that's the way that you treat the shooter like him that he is. So he kept attacking, and then in that third quarter he found a couple of driving lanes, and I just really liked the way that he stayed on it. And then of course with everything else you mentioned there, Gambo is just his overall ability to impact a game when he has a two of ten shooting night. He can still be one of the best players on the floor out there because of how much he does everywhere else as long as the offensive injection is still coming in somewhere else and it did with his ability to get off the bounce uh, last night. I I thought about this as I'm, I'm watching him play last night and have an impact on the game. He's one of several minimum guys that the Suns have. I wonder what his value is going to be after the season. He's finally got a real opportunity. He's never had a true opportunity before. This is the, the, the biggest opportunity he's had in his career. He's taken advantage of it. Now, he's not shooting the ball well this month, but he did last month. But I think you could, you could see how he could affect the game defensively. And 
I, I wonder what type of contract he would get. I wonder if this Phoenix Suns going to be able to keep him. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really too sure, to be honest, Gambo. I think the main thing for him is we see these guys who are first-round picks, their four-year deal sort of runs out, and sometimes they go to a situation you're like, okay, how make or break is this for them and their career in the NBA? Like, How much does this moment really need to mean to what their career is going to look like in basketball for the next five to seven years? How many more chances are they going to get in the NBA? And Okogi wasn't there necessarily, but he was heading in that sort of direction out of Minnesota. The situation in Minnesota kind of ended the way that he did. And what he's done this year is certified himself in the league. Like, that's what he's done without the shadow of a doubt. Now, is he a $12, $15 million player? Is he an $8 million player? I'm not really too sure. I would lean towards the lower number. I believe so. But someone's going to want to pay him because you look at the way that he can impact a game. And if the shooting improves, it improves. But the way that he's found a way to impact a game consistently and shown, hey, if you give me 18 minutes a night, I will impact the game for you. There's lots of little things to talk about from last night's game. And one of the little things ended up kind of being a big thing. And that was Chris Paul hitting a couple of shots in the last couple of minutes of that game. Now, we're very spoiled when it comes to seeing Chris Paul do things like that. But we have not seen that a lot this year. Is that a flash for Chris? Is that the design behind what he did, if there is such a design? What do you think it tells us that Chris Paul did those clutch time things? Because that's, you know, that's typically how we think of Chris Paul, right? Yeah, I remember the overarching point point that Gambo kept coming back to at the start of the year is that books your number one, right? And then your number two is going to fluctuate. Sometimes it's going to be Chris. Sometimes it's going to be DeAndre. Some nights it's going to be Mikel. Some nights it's going to be Cam and so on. We expected Chris to be that number two because my goodness, he was coming off all NBA years, back to back years. He was playing at a super high level, but it kind of became clear 15 games into the year. He wasn't going to be that number two pretty much every night. But now you look at it and just wonder how many nights he can be that number two just overall. Like it, it can be him here and there, but how many times can he really get up there? The that I had in the recap on ArizonaSports.com was that this is the 19th straight game where he's failed to reach 20 points. That is the longest streak of his career. The previous high was 15, and he's only seen seven streaks in his year in his career reach double digits. So every now and then, you would get those 25, 28 points. He's not known as a scorer. He's not going to be known as a scorer, obviously, for a a myriad of different reasons, but with that in mind, he's always been able to control the game to a point where he can be that score from time to time, but can he be now, especially with the way defenses are playing him, because that big is dropping so far off DeAndre Aiden that he can roll into that mid-range jumper with, with some comfort right now, but it's about him finding that shot and finding out the way, not finding out the way, but figuring out with this new look, without Kevin Durant, how defenses are defending them and how he can become more of a score, and he's had his role fluctuate more than anyone else on the team this year. He's just been campaigns out, Devin Booker's out, hey, you need to be our number one scorer right now. And then he goes, Kevin Durant gets here, you might take seven shots a game, Chris. You're going to be playing off the ball, get ready for catch and shoot threes. It's been all over the place for him, but they're going to need him. I, if I had to guess how many 20-plus point games does he have in a seven-game series, one or, or two, maybe, and I mean, yeah. going into last year, I would have said four, five. Like he's He's been that guy, especially in the postseason, but I'm not sure if he can be this year, and it's, it's a concern, obviously, but when you have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker won't matter as much. I think it's interesting that number. I mean, that's fascinating. The twenty. It almost reminds me of the Brett, uh, the Aaron Rodgers number that he went the entire season without a three hundred yard game. You know, you're used to Chris Paul being able to score twenty. You used to Aaron Rodgers throwing for three hundred yards. But what happens? And I, I, I've said this my whole career because I've seen it so many times. What happens with great players when they get older is they simply just don't have the ability to do it consistently. You may get a great game once out of every five games, in, instead of four out of five or five out of five. I mean, you see glimpses of that greatness and you may see it in a quarter you may see it in a half but very rarely do you see it you know you know game in and game out for any extended you know period of time 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and my whole thing on this entire sort of stretch here without Kevin Durant is it further emphasizes the importance on him and, and DeAndre too. They've got a big four games coming up. I think all of these games are big when Kevin Durant is out to sort of maintain their spot in the standings. But you got OKC coming on Sunday. That's a team that does not have size. DeAndre should dominate in that sort of game. But then you look at the next three. After that, you got the Lakers. That's Anthony Davis. And then he plays. Man, imagine having to guard DeMontis Sabonis and Joel Embiid back-to-back nights. That's what he is going to have to do later this week. It's a huge four games for him specifically. If you're looking at those four games and picking out the X Factor for the Suns. I believe DeAndre is that guy in all four games. His numbers have been down a bit uh, in the last eight games specifically, so the three with Durant, the five without Durant, his efficiency from like that five to 14 feet spot where he's normally around 47, 48, 49%, he's been pretty darn good. The numbers have been down a bit right now because he's adjusting again because, my goodness, how many custody guys play Burnsy from national people being like, DeAndre Aiden, get ready for the seas to part. You're never going to be this opening your career, never going to get this many good opportunities. He gets three games with Kevin Durant, doesn't really touch the ball that much, if we're being honest, and then he comes back to getting the ball, but the paint's clogged up again. It's just a really tough adjustment, and these four games are, are big for him and big for Chris and, and everything they got to do to keep their spot in the standings. Then real quick, leave us with this before we let you go. Booker looked tired at the end of last night. Aiton looked hurt at the end of last night. What's your concern level for both of those guys for these next few? Uh, keeping on the injury report coming out tomorrow, we'll, we'll see on that front. Uh, DeAndre, he always not always, but anytime he would get hurt during a game, we just see him eventually run it off. Eventually that limp would fade for him. It did not fade with this kind of thing. He was still limping when we talked and walked with him after the game. So I think he's the guy I'd be more concerned about out of the two. Booker just seemed like fatigue. Like the We all knew 43 was too much in that Milwaukee game. We all knew he wasn't coming out of the game. It's just one of those things that kind of happened. Monty again said last night like that was just too many minutes. Their injury reports that came back internally on Wednesday sort of had him down with general soreness. We saw a bit of that come up on Thursday. He told PHNX Sports' Gerald Borgay that he felt fine. So we'll, we'll see. It's, it's a whole different story when uh, Devin says he's fine, of course. like We, we, we don't know how true that, that kind of thing right. Is, is. Right? He's never the type of guy to come out and say, like, oh, yeah, it's actually like my right quad. And like if, I, if this oh, were... Sure. You're never that type of guy, and you never should be that type of guy. Yeah. But concern levels are, are mild, but... In these next eight games, like they just can't be overly reliant on Booker, especially. You can't wear him out right now. Can't yeah, we're going to talk about that a little later in the show. Thanks, Kellen. We appreciate it. All this stuff can be found at ArizonaSports.com. Kellen Olson, our son's guru, joining us here in studio. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Byron Murphy was introduced to Minnesota today. He was asked a lot about his time in Arizona. There's some stuff you're going to want to hear next on the Burns and Gambo show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here with you on the Burns and Gambo show on this Friday afternoon. Today or yesterday, Byron Murphy was introduced to the local media up there in Minnesota, signing that two year deal, $17.5 million, if memory serves, with the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, some of his comments, Gambo, safe to say, caught our attention, wouldn't you say? Uh, of course, especially especially the one about the facilities. Yes, here. This one right here, as a matter of fact. I would say I can tell since I've got here. Everything here is nice. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Everything. For me to come here and see how much, you know, I would say time and effort they put into this building, into their players, to the coaches, to the people upstairs, just a blessing to uh, be able to come here and see that and be a part of something like that. So it's a blessing to see how nice this uh, whole facility is. Oh, no, I think it's free upstairs. I'm good now. <laughs> That's all you can eat now. <laughs> oh, man. 
this is, of course, in reference to the the poor grades that the Arizona Cardinals got in that survey by you know by the players. The yes. Cardinals ranked near the bottom, um, and one of the things was payroll deduction for weeknight dinners at the team's facility. And uh, the Vikings they they rank very highly. Like they're you know the Vikings were voted number one by the players on eight different categories: nutrition, training room facilities, weight room, support staff. So, you know, you're going from worst to first in many categories if you're Byron Murphy. Yeah, and, you know, a little joke at the Cardinals' expense. And, and I do I do wonder, I, I, I will continue to wonder if the Cardinals organization was aware that that Players Association report was coming out when it did, if it was, if, if there are plans in the works, and I don't know anything about this, but if there are plans in the works to upgrade, to change, to not necessarily go get a new facility or a new training facility that you know that that's a process certainly but the stuff they can control the stuff they can improve is there a plan in place to improve it because you know just when you thought that players association report had kind of dried up and gone away Byron Murphy gives a little life by making a joke like that right and I well, just maybe that's where Maybe that's why they're not signing any players. They're taking the money that they would have used on players and they're trying to upgrade the facilities. <laughs> or maybe players, there it is. Or maybe players are staying away from the Arizona Cardinals because of the bad report card they got. I mean, I don't know. We could speculate about this a hundred different ways, and I don't know exactly what the answers are. But when they get a bad report card like that, when jokes are being made at their expense, both by the players and nationally, you got to fix it. You got to fix it. Got to fix it. And you got to, you know. And again, it doesn't. It doesn't mean you got to raise the building and build a new one somewhere else but the things that you can control the food and you know some of those things that you can be better at whether you're in the building or not you've got to improve those things if you're the Cardinals because you don't want jokes being made at your expense like that that was the that was the downside to that report was that man people have been do you see that report a couple days ago about uh, your New York Yankees actually charging players for For Wi-Fi team playing yeah Yeah. Brian Cashman was like they can afford it (laughs) that seems like I mean come on dude The, the French is worth six billion dollars. It costs like forty thousand dollars a year to give us free Wi-Fi on the plane. Give us free Wi-Fi on the plane, and it's just one of. Those, and then, of course, somebody brings up the Cardinals when something like that happens. You don't want to be the butt of jokes like that. If you're the Cardinals, you got something you can fix. You should fix it, and I hope this provides them the motivation to do so. Yeah, I mean, I would expect that it would. And then, you know, you, you, you know, a player leaves and they kind of ask him about it because, look, everybody saw the reports and every time a player leaves, you know, there's a chance they're going to get asked about it. You yes. know, the, the, how bad was it in Arizona? You know, I mean, I have, I, you know, I, I talked to a player who said, no, nah, I just had a chef make all my meals. I didn't eat the meals at the facility. I, I would have a chef make my meals. So it's, so it, it's something, listen, you got to address it because. All of that stuff matters in a roundabout way. In building a culture, right? Building a culture, you want everybody to be happy. You want them to be comfortable. You want their families to be comfortable. I mean, each and every player is their own CEO. And and it never used to be this way, but they are. They're their own CEO of their own company. And they're they're trying to make as much money as they can and profit as much as they can while they're in this league for a short amount of time. So, you know, you got to 
You got to find a way to the players you want to keep. You got to find a way to make everybody happy when they come here. You got to make this a good environment that the players and the families and they all want to be here. Yep. And so I think that that's something that I'm sure that when that report came out, it was embarrassing. It was yeah. humiliating. You were humiliated by it. I can't imagine that they're not addressing it. I would imagine that they are addressing it. And here's the thing about it. I, I'm not sitting here advocating that these teams should should give these players who are making a small fortune free stuff all the time. All right, I know that's what it sounds like. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm mocking the Yankees for not providing Wi-Fi on the plane, even though the franchise is worth $6 billion. What I am suggesting is that if enough of your competition starts doing things like that, you better keep up with them. You better do what they're doing. And if the Dodgers are giving their players free Wi-Fi on the team plane, and the Padres are doing it, and the Cubs are doing it, and the Red Sox are doing it, the Yankees kind of have to look around and say, hey, we got to do the same thing. And from the Cardinal standpoint, if you're the only organization in the NFL that's that's deducting money off of players' checks for meals that you want them to have at the facility anyway, and you're the only one doing that, you've got to keep up with your competition. You've got to stay fresh and relevant, and and you've got to matter to players with the things that matter to them. I'm not, again, I'm not advocating players getting a bunch of free stuff when they're making as much money as they are, but I am advocating that when organizations raise the bar and raise the standards, you better keep up if you're those organizations, and I think that's where the Cardinals have well, they, some work to they, do. They do with facilities, right? Don't they want the best in-stadium experiences for the fans so they can charge you more money? Yes. Right? They want the best. The best video scoreboard, the best seating and food and beverage and uh, amenities and restrooms. The and best you know, Wi-Fi when you're sitting at your seats. That's a, right. a, a, All that stuff. Yes, you want right. the best for your fans. Want the best. So why because would you, you want the best for your players? Because you want the fans to keep coming back. Why would you not want the best for your players? That's why that Michael Crow comment from the other day, I'm still blown away by that. <laughs> no, this building's fine. It's it's functional. It's fine. It's fine. It's functional. It's, nobody's, it's fine. Nobody's died here. Everybody's okay. Yeah. We're we're good. We're yeah. fine. It's it's still standing. <laughs> yeah, is it like Elton it's the John? Coliseum or something? Yeah, like it's Elton John. It's still standing. Desert Financial Arena. Yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, it, 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 it's just got to keep up with everybody else, and that's why that's you're right. That's where Michael Crow is wrong. Michael Crow is wrong to think we don't win or lose games because of this building. No, actually, you're wrong. Because if a player walks in there, a prospective player walks in there and looks around and goes, "This is where I'm going to play here," and I'm being recruited by an organization by another team in the conference that's got better facilities, you better believe that matters. Absolutely, sure. that matters. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, the dark, dungy place that's 40-something years old. I mean, I mean that's why, I like, buildings like the Diamondbacks are going to get a new building. The Suns just renovated. The Yotes are trying to get a new building. It's it, Times have changed, man, because technology changed. Times have changed with technology. So, you know, you don't just build a building and it stays for 70 or 80 years anymore. You've got to do massive changes at about the 20-year mark because things change. I mean, well, you know, and even now, like, if you build a building today in 2023, brand-new building, you've got to make massive changes by 2043 because with the, the amount of technology and things that are going to be available and change in that time, you know, you want to keep up. You want to you want to give the best fan experiences to, to your customers that are coming in. So you've always got to be changing. When we come back, he saved the game last night with his emphatic block of the game tying three. He's thriving in his new role with the Suns. Josh Akogi, he'll join us next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Home of the Suns. 
Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. leader. Coming off the court, you hear it straight from a Suns player with Burns and Gambo. Brought to you by America Roofing, Arizona's number one roofer online at americaroofingco.com. For a free estimate or 10% off any roof repair, that's americaroofingco.com. Our weekly visit with a Suns player, and we're very happy to be able to talk to Josh Okoge today coming off the win last night against the Orlando Magic, given the big impact that he had in particular at the very end of that game, but not just the very end of that game. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line from the Phoenix Suns, Josh Okoge here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Josh, welcome back and congrats on the win. Thanks for your time, man. We appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me again. Josh, it, it, it feels like you're getting a real opportunity with Phoenix that you, you may not have gotten in Minnesota. And, and you played in a lot of games, uh, but it feels like you're, you're trusted a lot more here. And you, you be, you're be, being given an opportunity that just wasn't there the first few years in your career. Do you agree with that? Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, I feel like everybody's just embraced me um, from the coaching staff, you know, to my teammates, to the to the fans. And, you know, it just feels good to be able to, to play in front of those guys. And and for you, I mean, the opportunity to not only impact the game defensively, but a huge corner three last night, and at times you've been able to be an offensive weapon too. It seems like, you know, here in Phoenix under Monty, you're being given an opportunity to not only affect the game defensively, but offensively as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Coach Mont gives guys confidence to go out there and and uh, play your game offensively and just go out there and try to impact the game. That's just what I've you know, been trying to do. Josh Kogi, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. All right, let's talk about the block. You said after the game, um, thank God I didn't foul him. A- at any point when you were approaching him, were you thinking, I need to back off and not foul him? Tell me how, I'm sure you've obviously watched it a few times. How did you process that moment in real time with what you did last night? Uh, I mean, you know, our tactics as a team, we usually foul when we're up three. So, you know, they can't have like a lucky three-pointer or whatever. So um, coming out that timeout, you know, we were were supposed to foul, you know, so they shoot a free throw. But um, it's kind of hard fouling a guy who's who's looking at the basket because, you know, anything can happen where he – Acts like he's shooting before you foul. Now he's shooting three free throws, and the, the you know referees might give it to him. Just a whole bunch of stuff could happen. So he's usually good to foul him with his back turned to the basket. But when he caught the ball, I kind of seen him squaring up to shoot. So instead of fouling, I wanted to see if I could time the shot. But yeah, but you know that's also risky because you know anything can happen. A ref could call a foul or whatever the case may be, but I'm just you know, thankful that I was able to get it clean. Were you surprised that Wagner didn't get the shot off before he passed it off to Paolo? Uh, I think, um, I mean, for us, I mean, I thought that either, either one of those guys are going to get the shot, okay. either Paolo or, or Wagner, but I'm just glad it played out the way it did. I look at the, the I look at the last five. Everybody's talking about the block shot, but I thought you had 
So many moments when you came back into that game. Five minutes and 50 seconds left. They had just gone on a 9 nothing run. It's tied at 101. I mean, I chart these games. I'm a little crazy with the way I chart games, but you had the back tap to Booker after Paul missed the three. You hit a corner three. You drew an offensive foul on Carter Jr. You rebounded a miss by Booker. You deflected a pass by Boncharo. And then, of course, you came up with a block shot. So everybody's talking about the block shot, but I'm sure you look back at it like, you, there were five or six instances after they had gone on a 9 nothing run when you came back into the game where you were able to affect the game. Yeah, 100%. And it's, it's crazy because in those type of games, each each possession is, uh, is, is precious. And I try, to, I try to do what I can. Obviously, you know, late in that game, it's going to be a heavy dose of, uh, you know, D.A., Chris Paul, and, uh, and, and Book. So, you know, while I'm out there, I try to just – See if I can get all the offensive rebounds. Try to, you know, hold it down on defense and just do the little things because I feel like the little things definitely are the difference between winning and losing. But I was happy that I was able to, you know, come up with those little, those little plays like you mentioned. And my obviously my shot wasn't really falling like that yesterday, but uh, I was able to hit the uh, the ones that really counted at the end. So that was so that was good. All right, I got to get your take on this because we all saw it. Markel Fultz untying Terrence Ross's shoe <laughs> before he hits the two free throws. I mean, have you ever seen that before? <laughs> I didn't even see it in the game. I'm, this is my first time hearing about it. But, I mean, just the way that, you know, Terrence Ross has been for us, I can tell that, you know, they have a lot of love for him over there. So I'm pretty sure, you know, those guys are just doing that out of love and just to mess with him. But it's definitely a credit to T. Ross for hitting those two free throws down late, down the stretch. I mean, wouldn't that tick you off, though, if some guy untied your shoe right before you're going to hit two free throws at the end of the game? A hundred percent. Have you ever had it done to you or have you ever done it to someone? No. No. I think, I, I think that's a technical foul. Somebody sees it. <laughs> right. I think it is. I mean, I think it is. I, I mean, I think that's that, that's fighting stuff. I mean, because you're trying to throw the guy off, too. It's not like we're just, hey, we love you and you used to play here and let's have fun. It's like, hey, these are two big free throws. There's six seconds left in the game. I got to make sure you miss one or two of these. So I think, they unti- I think he untied his shoes just to try to throw them off. But to Ross's credit, he knocked down both of them. A hundred percent. Yeah, those are big, big free throws, man. We needed those. Josh Kogi is our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're having some fun. We're talking about the Suns' win against the Orlando Magic. Uh, your role on this team, we've talked to you a lot about this. Obviously, it's changed, and, and we're seeing the way defenses are guarding you guys. They're, they're giving you the shot a lot, and you certainly are taking it and trying to take advantage of that. Did that require a certain adjustment in mentality for you when you're out there? And if it did, are you now comfortable with the mentality that it takes when they're giving you those looks the way they are. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I actually love the fact that they give me those looks. Um, I work on those shots every day. Um, I just try to go out there and knock down those shots to make the defense pay for the way they guard me. Uh, go ahead, Burns. Yeah, go no, ahead. You're fine. Go ahead. I'm going to ask you uh, the million dollar question because you came here on a one year deal. And, you know, veterans minimum type deal, you came here, chance to prove it. You proved it. I mean, you proved it. I mean, I can't even imagine this team not having you next year. So my first question is, is this a place where you could see yourself long term? Would you like to stay here with the Phoenix Suns? I love everything about Phoenix. You know, I love the culture, the um, the teammates, coaches, front office, the city, the fans. 
environment, you know, everything. I love. I would love to uh, stay in Phoenix. But obviously, that's a um, conversation that we're going to have in the offseason between my agent and the, and the team. You know, my job is just to go out here and perform and try to help impact winning. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, like I said, right now, it's beyond my control. I just out here playing basketball and doing what I love to do. Yeah, I mean, that, that you can control. You can control how hard you play and how much you impact the game to make them want to keep you. But I would I would look at it now and figure that, you know, there's, there's going to be other teams that are looking at what you've been able to bring to the Phoenix Suns and say, hey, I'd like to have that guy on my team. So I know you're not going to short yourself. And, you know, you, you, this is an opportunity for you to maybe get, you know, a multi-year deal and, and a, a little bit more security and stuff like that. So, you know, I imagine there's going to be competition for the Phoenix Suns to keep you. Yeah, for sure, but this is something that I just don't even like to think about right now because for me, his job's not finished. I came here to try to help, you know, win a championship and uh, have the best season possible, and that's still my focus point right now. You know, for me, my focus point was really never about the the money or the deal or whatever the case may be. So I know my focus is still on that and just trying to make sure I'm the best player I can be and, you know, hopefully be on the team that wins the, wins the championship. Josh, we love really, hearing that. Yeah, we really appreciate the conversation and your time today. Congratulations again on the win and the big block to save it at the end. Uh, we appreciate it, and we will talk to you soon. Good luck the rest of the year. Thank you so much, y'all. Got it. Thanks, Josh. Josh Kogi joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are heading to Chase Field. One night only on December 8th. Tickets go on sale next Friday at 10 a.m. You can win a pair of tickets right now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. He's been getting a lot of minutes lately, and it's been noticed. Might be impacting him a little bit. we got to talk about Devin Booker, and we will next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo Afternoons 2 till 6 On Arizona Sports The local sports leader Back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show Arizona Sports, the local sports leader Suns win last night Now it's a really interesting Stretch in the schedule We'll go through some of the results last night In the 4 o'clock reset but the concern now moving forward, maybe concern is the wrong word. Well, I don't know. I'll talk with Gambo about it, and we'll see how concerned we are. Two things. Let's start with Devin Booker. 43 minutes the other night against Milwaukee. 36 last night against the Orlando Magic, which we can all agree is too much against the Orlando Magic. And certainly the other night was too much against the Milwaukee Bucks. And afterwards, Monty Williams, after the game last night, spoke about how tired Devin Booker might be and how he overdid it against Milwaukee. Is this something we're worried about moving forward? I was tired watching him. Um, <laughs> I didn't even play, and I was tired watching him. You get tired easily, so there's that. Yeah. It, listen, I think there's a reason why he really struggled in that first half, and it wasn't just the pressure Orlando put on him. But remember, Devin Booker was one of four shooting for three points in the first quarter. At the half... At the half, he was one out of five for three points. Now, he got his legs in the third quarter, and I thought he made a couple of big, big baskets, including a couple of threes. He had a big third quarter. 
But I do think I, I, I do think that, you know, all of those minutes, they, they take a toll on you, you know, and uh, especially when you, you exceed a certain amount of minutes like he did in a Milwaukee game. So, you know, coming back just a couple days later and playing this game against Orlando, I think that is probably a partial reason why he struggled so much in the first half of that basketball game to get his legs, to get his footing. And eventually he kind of got it going in that third quarter. But, yeah, I mean, it's obviously uh, the workload is is a concern. But, like, that's they need him. Yeah, like, they need him. I, I'm, listen, I'm listening to you talk, and I'm thinking to myself, this is such – it's easy for two guys like you and me to get on the radio and talk about this. This is such a fine line for Monty to walk. And I think we have to appreciate how fine of a line this is for Monty and Devin Booker to walk. Okay, we can sit here and say, you got to reduce the minutes. you got to reduce the minutes. Well, you know what else you got to do? you got to win some basketball games. You know, you, you've got to maintain your place in the standings. you got to not fall too far in the standings so you don't fall into a play-in game. I mean, it, it's easy to get behind a microphone or, or get behind a keyboard and start talking about stuff. And I'm not calling anybody out specifically. I'm just saying in general. It's easy to say, Devin Booker, you got to back off on his minutes. But you've, you've also got to win some basketball games down the stretch here to try to maintain things until Devin Booker comes back. Right. And Monty and Devin, it's a fine, fine line that they're walking. Here's Monty after the game talking about the general soreness that Devin Booker is dealing with right now. I think he's just dealing with some general soreness. You know, uh, he may have gotten hit or something like that. I know he went down one time um, going to the basket, but. Um, you know, I played him way too many minutes the other night on a back-to-back, and he was feeling it um, yesterday when I got the report. He had some some soreness, and uh, so he's you know he's a bit stressed um, from a minutes perspective because that's the first time he's played that many minutes in a long, long time, and to do that on a back-to-back is you know that's that's tough. So I think a day off. Um, will help him. And by day off, he means today. He doesn't mean for the next game Sunday against Oklahoma City. And yet, Monty can sit here and put the shoulder the responsibility on him. Man, anybody who watched that game against Milwaukee knew Devin Booker wasn't coming out. He wasn't coming out in the second half. Everybody knew it. And so, there's a there's certain level of responsibility for this that I think Devin shares as well, or at least he should. Well, I mean, he's not going to. I don't know that Devin spares the responsibility. A player's not going to say, I want to come out of a game. I mean, it's up to the coach. It's up to the coach to, to, to you know, that he's got to do. The coach has to do the right thing. I mean, how many players are going to say, do you, I want to come out of the game because I want to save myself for the next game. I want to preserve myself. They don't think like that. They think about, they're trying to win a basketball game. Of course, game. of course. And a team's been, they, they had lost two games in a row. They had lost to Sacramento. They had lost to Golden State. There's no way you're going to get Devin Booker to, you know, say, hey, we got to watch my minutes. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like a... You know, like when your when kid's a pitcher in, in club baseball and, you know, as a parent, you've got to make sure that the coach doesn't throw him too many pitches and too many innings. And wait a second. He pitched Friday. You can't have him pitch again on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about because oh, Jake exactly. used to be a pitcher. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's it's the responsibility of the coach to manage the minutes. I don't think it's the responsibility of the player. No, I think and it's and the coach I wasn't, coach's I wasn't trying that. to say it was Devin Booker's fault. And I guess it kind of came out that way. I, I guess it was just more of a general observation that as I was 
watching that game in the second half in particular, knowing where the Suns were and knowing what the Suns didn't have, I just I got the sense that Devin Booker was not going to leave that floor under any circumstances. Now, ultimately, that is not up to him. Ultimately, that is up to Monty. But I, I think Monty was complicit in that as well in, in leaving him out there because they wanted to win and they wanted to beat the Bucks, And it was a very competitive game in which Devin Booker, especially in that third quarter, just laid it all out there, right? I mean, he played his ass off in the third quarter in that game against Milwaukee, and he ran out of gas in the fourth. And, and so there's just I, what the solution is, it's just Monty's got to be tougher with the minutes, but Monty's also looking at the standings like the rest of us, so is Devin, and they don't want to run the risk of falling too much further in the West, so it's just a really tough spot that they're in, just for sure. We, we talk about this all the time, like, you know, you, you sometimes you may have to lose a battle to win the war. I mean, the ultimate thing is to go into the playoffs as healthy and fresh as you can, and you don't want to wear anybody out, and we saw, our, you know, you, you saw a couple guys limping last night, even DeAndre, like, you know, you got to manage it down the stretch, and if you, you have to sacrifice a game here or there. Now, if you're in Lakers' situation, like, I think it's totally different. Like, you, you know, Anthony Davis not playing in the back-to-back, they, they're trying to do right, but he wanted to play, and they're desperate for wins. So I think that's a little bit different of a situation because of where they are in the standings compared to the Suns, who have, look, they have a little bit of margin for error, and as we've talked about, like, okay, fourth, fifth, or sixth, uh, not that big of a deal. Like, if they were a game out of the play-in tournament, then I would say, okay, like, you know, you got to go for all of these wins. But I think that they've built up a little bit of margin for error that, like, the Lakers don't have. I think the other thing to watch is DeAndre Ayton, who took a knee to the right groin last night, stayed in the game. Dwayne Rankin and others kind of reported that DeAndre Ayton left the arena with a noticeable limp. Um, I'm sure, I'm hoping that DeAndre Ayton is, you know, kind of feeling a little bit of pressure to play through it, given the fact that Kevin Durant isn't out. But, you know, play through it responsibly. I don't want him to hurt himself long term. But that's going to be something I really think Kellen was in here with us earlier to keep an eye on the injury report for Sunday's game when it comes out tomorrow. Because I got to think... I wouldn't be shocked if DeAndre Ayton is on that injury report. I don't know if that means he's going to or not going to play on Sunday. But that is something to keep an eye on this weekend, I think, for sure. Did he just get hit in the groin or did he, like, strain it? I think he got hit in the groin. Okay. I, I mean, believe I believe he got hit in the groin. But he was walking with a limp after the game. Well, after the game was done, it was still he was still limping on it. So that, yeah, that I got to be my concern. I've gotten hit with my share of low blows, if you know what I mean. It's, yeah, it takes a little while. Like, you know, not, but in a couple of days you're fine. But, yeah, it, like, it doesn't just go away in like, in, in like two minutes. Well, no, but, I mean, this was 20 minutes after the game, 20 for 30 minutes after yeah. the game. And I understand what you're saying. I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just saying it's something to keep an eye on because with how thin they are right now, DeAndre Eaton, they can ill afford to lose him for well, too long of a stretch if he's going to have to miss games because of it. Well, you noticed last night that they went with Landale and not Bismack Biombo as the backup center. Yes, I did notice that. For the offense, to try to get that offense. When we come back, all of the top stories of the day with the question, How's your bracket? That's next. Burns and Gambo.